0: Now, let us begin. It is a new adventure. Something is about to happen. A change. An awakening of sorts. I'm getting... older. Something new. I'm excited and afraid at the same time. Because... Welcome to the J-Man Show, here on K360 Radio. <laughs> Hello J360 Legion, how's it going? This is J-Man, of course. And, um, yes. It is time for another episode of the J-Man Show. Here for 175! Ha! You know, not too far off from reaching that 200 goal I had. I wonder if we'll make it to that point by the time the anniversary gets here. I got plenty of time on my hands, man. I could actually pull that off if I was crazy enough to do such a thing. And, yes, oh, I feel so good to be doing this right now for you all. And I purposely held it back because, um, in a little bit, it will be the day I was born. Isn't that something? (laughs) Hey, you know something? I'm pretty excited about it, man. I think 34 is going to be a pretty good adventure. 33 served me well, but I'm ready for 34. I don't have a problem with this, man. It's like that upward momentum, you know? And then, when I hit about that ripe age of 40, then you'll really see me not give a damn. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm just totally going to chillax. I'm going to be like, you know, all that stuff about showing off my strength and being as awesome as I am. I've already achieved it. I think it's the perfect time for me to just go ahead and prop my feet up and just ignore everyone. You know, because that's the overall goal of things. I mean, that's what a lot of people do to get by on stuff, you know, at least I like to think so. I mean, one way or another, you know, I'm just sitting here and enjoying the Monster Fest. Like, I'm looking at um one of my favorite anthologies, Tales from the Dark Side right now. Season 1. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where that guy was haunted by this ghost in the form of a kid. Isn't it amazing, like, how the supernatural tends to mess with you? Like, one way or another, you notice that something wasn't there the whole time, but then all of a sudden it inserts itself into your life, like it's been there the whole time, and either a you went through a midlife crisis or something like this guy's a drunk actually and he completely forgot that this whole thing existed and right now like everybody knew about this person except him which is weird because you would think that some people would technically know who ate their food lived with them for a while and all that kind of stuff but apparently things have changed when the supernatural's involved and right off the bat he's about to go grab him a bottle because he just can't deal with the stress and you can tell like his family life is hell So, like, one way or another, they just really screwed him up. Matter of fact, yeah, they... And, you know, the beauty of uh, Tales from the Dark Side episodes, they uh, tend to happen to any poor slub. Like, there are some characters that deserve it, but then there are characters that, you know... (laughs) They were just there. And this happens to be one of those stories. Because the guy had his life on track. He just ended up working for a call center. Which, depending on who you talk to, can either be the greatest boon in life or a living hell. And I wonder who I know that actually works in a call center. Not me, damn it. Now, see the beautiful part about it? I work in the illustrious land of retail. And it's slowly but surely killing me. But I think that's about right for the Monster Fest, don't you? Uh Uh-oh. It's starting to come in again. The Monster Fest, yeah. Storm. Hmm. Yeah, there it is. Okay, well, considering that's happening, I think I do have a couple of um things I need to tell y'all about. I did do some film redemptions not too long ago, and um to be honest with you, they went it was it was nice. It was like a trip down memory lane, sort of, because I'll tell you this, at one time, you know. No, no, I still am. Heavily deep in the comics. And these characters were based off of comic book properties. Like, you know, Ghost Rider... I don't know how Ghost Rider memorabilia keeps popping up in my house. Like, to be honest with you... I mean, I remember buying the first one. Then all of a sudden the second one showed up. And then... The the, the book on Ghost Rider from Ultimate Guide and all that stuff. Along with a bunch of team-ups from Spider-Man. Which, uh, yeah, I did buy those. But... <laughs> that book popped right there. I don't know. Maybe it was a gift from my pops years ago. Who knows? But I'll tell you this much: like, I appreciate all those, but getting that second one, that second one sucks. If anything, it's a coaster for me. Like, you know, I like to go ahead and put my tea on something. And if it ain't like uh, some of these J three sixty coasters I have, right, here, they're pilots, if you will. Chances are you'll get you, you'll be able to buy your J three sixty merch soon enough. You just sit there and chill brother working through his phases right now but the thing is is that you know like that right there that movie's so bad it might as well either be a placeholder at some point a paperweight in others and then after a while it's just garbage but the first movie was good though i thought it was a very decent film like there are some people out there that don't like this movie maybe because they just don't like nick cage or maybe because it suffers from the one thing that i'll give them a weak story And then, like, of course, you know, he goes through a lot of the mooks real easily. And it's just to the point where it's like, yeah, no. You know what I mean? It's not interesting enough. Like, we didn't even get the gist of him talking about utilizing the power of Hellfire more. I mean, it was there, but it was in passing. It wasn't like, you know, something that, you know, he utilized a lot of. He utilized it to a point, but not a lot of it. But what do you expect? It was made, like, what, two years after Daredevil and written by the same guy who wrote Daredevil and directed it. So it's like, um, yeah, <laughs> not necessarily the best film, but it wasn't the worst. So easily it's worth the three bloody knuckles. And I thought that um, Nicolas Cage did a fantastic job for his first outing as Ghost Rider. I'll give him that. And even Mendez wasn't too bad as Roxanne. And, of course, they took liberties with the story because, hey, it's the early 2000s right now. Let's just take this comic knowledge here, look at it lightly, and then maybe apply it sparingly. Not to say that the MCU doesn't do the same thing, but sometimes it feels a little closer tied to Ultimates and everything else. You know, it's just because we're familiar to it. Whereas, like, this is licensing and, well, I'm going to do what I want to do with it. And if you think that's really bad, I got another one that can top how bad uh, Ghost Rider was. It's called Man Thing. If you've ever read a Man Thing comic, remember Swamp Thing? Sort of like that, but at the same time, it is a little... Mm, he's really mindless because I mean, the thing is, is that um, Swamp Thing, you know, at least he has a code and stay out of the swamp and all that kind of stuff. You know, he has a tragic story, whereas Man Thing has a tragic story. But Man-Thing doesn't even know who the hell he is after a while. And the only time the stories really get interesting with Man-Thing is when somebody lands into the nexus of infinite realities. Or at the same time, Howard the Duck is there. And when Howard the Duck was there, that was funny because him and Howard used to have always like some interesting adventures. He did know that duck, though. Uh, what are we going to get another Howard the Duck uh, sort of? Oh, actually, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it became a Disney Plus series. Because that just seems to be the trend right now. Some other people are getting uh, some pushes. And that's good that they are. We finally got our She-Hulk after all. Why not? And then of course, Moon Knight was cast. Oscar Isaacs. I hope I, I hope he does the role justice. Because I mean, who's going to play Apocalypse now? And even when he played Apocalypse, it was like, who's playing Apocalypse? Yeah, really, because they got lightly used him. Oh, come on. Y'all know I'm right about this. <laughs> Eh, you know, I just hate the idea of that being a trend, too. Yeah, this, we got all this build-up around this villain, but hey, let's barely use him. Yeah. Anyway, the second movie, in hopes of if it didn't go right with the Ghost Rider transition at the time. Thank you, Monster Fest Storm. Thank you. The whole thing with that was, um, Spawn. See, I was going to do Hellboy, but I figured Hellboy deserves his own day. So, yeah, I figured, let's go down a a decade and take a look at what's going on with, you know, Spawn. And the thing about Spawn was, I love the movie. I actually love the live-action movie. I hold it in a separate train of thought other than the animated series. I hold that in high regard anyway. Much like anybody who holds Batman the animated series in high regard, I hold that Spawn animated series in the same way. Perfect. No, but it has that right blend of, you know, action, drama, tragedy, and then, you know, yeah. Yeah. Spawn has it rough, man. <laughs> of course he does, right? I mean, what would well, be in a corpse like that, and, notable, and notably so that you're being pulled between good and evil at all times? And then if you use your power to the to the max, which are finite, you got to go all the way back to hell and get another shot of necroplasm from your boss, and then lose more of yourself. And then you got to come right back, if possible. But then, then again, they say he has to lead hell's army at that point so he kind of you know when he made that deal he stays out there all the time basically because he reneged on the deal a little bit that was actually pretty cool like i, I like it when characters you know if they fight strength for strength that's cool but there are times when if the character can outsmart this would be all-knowing omni-perfect powerful sort of being that's awesome cunning is great if you will now, that being said, though, I gave both films three bloody knuckles because they were enjoyable. They're not perfect by any means. I mean, basically, they, <laughs> if you know all of what goes on in their comics and source materials, it's really challenging to put that in a two-hour or so film. Especially when you're trying to maintain a strong story and at the same time trying to please everybody and you just can't do it. And at least for that time, I thought it was, you know, they, they did a good try. Now, I don't know what the reboots are going to look like. I know that we ended up getting a new ghostwriter in the form of, Ro- uh, what was his name, Roby? Yeah, Roby Reyes uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, by the way, if they would have gave him a spinoff show, you know, they still can, right? Like, make that happen. And then, of course, you know, they didn't completely wave away Johnny Blade's story. But the fact that there are multiple Ghost Riders, that's pretty interesting. Something like that can actually work. There's a cosmic one now that I think about it. Why didn't I think of that? Damn, I could have made something nice with some scenario like that. Ah, what the hell. We'll figure it out later on. You know, I am a writer still. But, (laughs) I just like, I really did enjoy both movies. Now, as I go through this, I wanted to let you all know that I was looking at a whole lot of movies that I didn't report in. Like Cupid, for instance. Oh, by the way, it's 12 o'clock, so happy birthday to me. There we go. I'm 34. Well, yes, 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 I am. I am. (laughs) Just playing with y'all. Early onset dementia doesn't happen until, like, I'm at least 37. So I still got a few more years. And, of course, by that point, I'm still not really caring about a lot of things. (laughs) Doesn't matter. But. And you see, going back into it, um, I saw that movie Cupid. Now, Cupid was decent. Out of all the things I see on Tubi, it was a decent film. I mean, more or less, like, think about it. It's different from the whole I I want love scenario story. It's more or less like, you know, when you're living in an area and then, like, you know, circumstances are beyond your control and kids are picking on you. I mean, and then granted, you know, she doesn't know how to fight, apparently, but she knows how to use witchcraft, which is like the main girl. Her name's Faye. So she gets picked on for God knows what reason, because she's pretty cute. But the thing is, is that the main girl picks on her because her mom is dating her dad. Yeah, yeah. The the main evil girl named Elise, like Elise's dad is sleeping with Faye's mom. That happens sometimes. I mean, there's scenario. It didn't happen to me growing up, but you see, in certain scenarios, they have those things where, you know the, kid, <laughs> where you know one way or another, she started looking good to me that day, and you know she looked at his pecker, and then at the end of the day, it was a match made in complete lust. So they started making sweet, sweet whoopee in the back, and there's a moment where they're having sex, and Faye walks in on them, and this is after she had gum in her hair in a horrible day. Crazy stuff, right? So, you know, right there, it's all pushed out in front of us. So we kind of see, like, yeah, hmm, this is where it goes. See what I'm saying? And then the weirdest thing about it is, is that, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit more with Elise's problem, because Elise was just a complete um, jerk throughout the whole movie. Like, you're just looking to see if somebody would slap her, you know? And then the thing is, is that nobody ever does nobody holds her accountable for obviously not because hey why would you right but you can even see like the teachers now the teachers were actually helpful in this movie they didn't want to deal with elisa's crap like they called her out on it even though she comes from a prestigious sort of family or so like we really don't see her interact with her dad that much but no we really don't if anything the dad's interacting with faye's mom at the end of the day like what, what what can you do about that you know nothing so as you move forward into it Faye also has a crush on her teacher so knowing this her the mean girl's opposition which they'll be known for this they keep trying to start stuff I mean even Elise went as far to steal the teacher's phone and the thing is Faye thought it was him texting her which, you know, at the end of the day, if you're smart out there, but you see a lot of people, they they lonely and they want that companionship. So they really don't know. But when somebody's texting you like that, you need to start asking a few questions. Which is why, like, I don't rely on that crap when people are like, oh, you know, it's just, it's texting. You know, Jay, I don't like talking on the phone. I like texting. Anybody can text, damn it. Make sure you know who's really talking over there. Before you get real intimate about that stuff. I'm just saying. And peop and other people know this. That's why we got all that crazy crap to report on. It's crazy as hell sometimes. But you see the thing is, they even had the girl expose herself, be in her bra and everything. They like, say, Oh, she stuffs her bra and all that stuff, you know, petty crap. And then when she finds out about it, you know, there I was hoping that there was gonna be a big old woman versus woman sort of scenario. Now, I'm not saying that I like that stuff. I'm just saying that Elise deserves it. There has to be a comeuppance, especially when you're doing all this kind of stuff to people. Like, there, there, if there's no restitution here. What's the point? So, you see, when it happens, Elise and all of her mean girls, they were actually trying to host a Valentine's ball. And you see, the thing is, every time she kept getting in, so they said, we're going to take the ball from you. We're going to take the ball from you. You're going to get spelled. And then she, not caring, has her jock boyfriend, who doesn't go to that school, obviously, pops up over there as a way of trying to stick it to the man. Because after she got found out of all the things that she did, it was detention for all of them. And then the teachers, who once again had enough of it, along with the principal this time, they canceled the ball, so everybody stayed stay behind to go ahead and break the stuff down. So when they broke the stuff down, or on the verge of it, She was getting mouthy with the uh, temp teacher. Because she figures the temp teacher don't have any power over her. They have a little. But, you know, whatever. So she walks out of the actual school. Now, Faye, who pretty much is broken hearted. Because she even talked to the teacher about it. And she almost kissed the man. Which is a complete no-no. According to some people. Some of y'all like that stuff. I I don't know. It's still a taboo, damn it. You're robbing a cradle regardless. But, uh, (laughs) weird. But you see, like, when it get right down to it, she started going ahead and pulling out her book about summoning Cupid. Now, this Cupid is not like the Cupid you think of. This Cupid is vengeful, tainted, doesn't give a damn about anything, and purposely uses his arrows not to go ahead and enforce love, but to kill it and the people that want it. And there was a story drawn out about like how he was betrayed by his mother, Venus, because Venus was jealous of the woman that he wanted. So in doing so, she tainted his arrows to poison her. And then when it killed the woman that he loved, obviously he got jaded. So in being jaded and all, he starts being this omnipresent figure that attacks and kills. And you see a witch or anybody that summons can summon him, but there's a price to pay. A restitution of sorts. Either the witch has to die or the person that caused the pain has to die. And the thing is, she didn't really specify on that. She said anybody in that school she wanted love to be wiped out from. And then you know the two teachers, they're in love with each other. The temp teacher and Faye's teacher. And the thing is, is that, you know, there's a little subplot there. It's kind of murky, but I looked past it because I wanted to see how Faye would solve her problem. To which she did solve her problem. I'll bet uh, in a a chaotic way, because when Cupid came to town, man, he was taking care of business. He was just doing all the Legolas and, and all the Hawkeyes and stuff like that. He need to be out there with them. That's all there is to it. He was doing some wild stuff, man. Picking them in the eye and shooting them in the chest and then, like, you know, getting them in many different ways. And if it wasn't exactly the arrow shots that was doing it, it was the laced poison that was in the arrows. And then, of course, you know, Faye had a friend there, too, that, you know, felt like, I want you. I want to be out of the friend zone. Please notice me. Please love me. Now, in real life, that can happen. I'm not saying... I remember I was riffing and I said it couldn't happen, but... For some people, it does, but the thing is, it's an upward climb, and the problem is it really depends on the people paying attention, because um, there are moments where it's a real pain in the ass trying to get somebody to notice you, even though they already knew you were there. You see what I'm saying? There's so many scenarios to this, and I'll probably look into it during Valentine's, because that's when I try to help a lot of people get out of their Lonely Hearts Club, And how successful that is, you mind your business. It's very. Uh, anyway. So, you see, uh, when Cupid's over there and taking people out, he took out the principal awfully, man. Like, I mean, he shot him right between the eyes, and then, like, he shot him again in the left eye, making sure that he dead. And then he wiped out, um, Elise's boyfriend. Elise, being the giant B-word she is, I'm trying not to cuss, runs into the school, and tries to tell her friends all about it. One of her friends actually got cookied in the back. And I mean cookied. The thing is, took out this um, he took out this heart shape for cookies. Knocked her over on the ground. Started drilling them into her back as he smashed her head into the ground. That's wild. I've never seen that happen before. And I was like, huh, that, this, this Cupid is pretty damn resourceful. He didn't stay in ancient Greek. Homeboy learned some moves. That's all there is to it. And then, as he was flying around and causing more trouble than a little bit, I was like, hmm, well, uh, mm, yeah, okay, okay, Cupid. I'm not talking about that stupid site, by the way. I got stories on that, too, but, you know, <laughs> I'm going to kill that. That's, that's before I was who I am now, so let's just be real. Uh, moving forward. <laughs> moving forward. You see, um when you get right down to uh, where her. Uh, now, obviously, in these click movies, there's always the hefty friend, the hefty female friend. And he managed to catch up with her and he. Oh, God, the way he went about with her, he took roses and sh- shoved them into her mouth. He managed to take her down with his arrows, yes, but he did shove roses into her mouth. I was like, damn, is he going to cut off the head like they used to do in vampire novels and all? But apparently not. Because, I mean, the choking scene alone was just graphic. I was like, okay, okay. He handling it, he handling it. And then, you know, like, he just, one way or another, he just had to get it done. And it all happened on Valentine's Day, of course. So while everybody was trapped in the school, they couldn't go nowhere. They had to wait until midnight for it all to end. And they tried to stay out of sight. And the thing about this Cupid is he's ugly as hell. Looked just like Leprechaun to a point. And as he's walking around, stalking them and stuff like that, some of them did get hit. The friend got hit. And they had to cut off his arm in the wood shop and all. And Elise finds the journal where Faye summoned this monster. And then of course, you know, got in her face about it saying her boyfriend's dead. Her her friends are out there somewhere. No, they're not. They're pretty much dead at this point. Even her male friend got well, homeboy got lynched. I'm just saying, he sure did. Like Cupid just wasn't playing. And then you look over at Elise and Elise like you have to pay for all this And I was like, Actually this is your fault. One way or another, the girl was tired of you picking on her. She doesn't want to fight with her own hands, so she utilizes supernatural. Utilizes the spirits to get the job done. I can't be mad at her. You know what I'm saying? Though at the same time, I'm like, you know, Faye, I think it was a little much. The body count here is getting kind of ridiculous right now. Even though it was only like, what, maybe five to six of them? Not to take from beat them down and all, but, you know, like, I'm just, you know, maybe I should keep a tally too. I doubt it, though. Because uh, I was just in there enjoying all the merciless slaying. And then I was looking at the Cupid. I was thinking, hey, why don't they have Pisces be reincarnated to go ahead and quell this monster's um fury? But then again, I was like, no, nah, there has to be another way. And there was. Because there was a moment where the temp teacher was captured by Cupid into the auditorium. And then at the end of w- the way of them saving her, like the main teacher had to stay out there at the front. And then, of course, Faye had to recite another spell where, like, if they could just get through the last hour, okay, and not look at Cupid in the eye, you know, then there wouldn't be a death sacrifice for any of them. But you see Elise, on the other hand, being her, decided to actually look at Cupid. Which I thought was satisfying. I was like, okay, okay, let's see what happens. And much like a Mortal Kombat fatality, you never knew what was coming next. Because here's the thing. Cupid wasn't alone. Death was there, too. And you see, Death got in front of Elise, where Cupid went back there right where, like, if you feel the base of your skull, right? And you know, like, sometimes that's a tough area. I th- No, not the base of your skull. Um, around- No, no, yeah, 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 base. Right there where your uh, hippocampus is. And you see, yeah, I took the time to actually read, a- <laughs> read one of those anatomy books. But you see, the thing is, right there, Cupid jutted, like, three or two two or three arrows back there and then it went right to where her nose or breathing mechanism is and just clogged up elise and it was graphic but at the same time oh so satisfying because she suffered she had to awful girl no redeeming qualities at all and when that happened i was like yes and then the curse was lifted because the one that caused all the grief is dead so with that sacrifice being made death and keep it where pleased and then all of a sudden you know things started to uh go back to normal. Uh they had to take the young boy over to the hospital. The temp teacher and the main teacher became a couple. But the thing is the love spell that Fay cast on the main teacher started to work cuz she g- he gave her a kiss. On the side of the cheek and all. But but at the same time, you know, it, it was close to the lips. And then in the end, it was like Faye had to figure out a spell to try to end that. And then that was the end of the movie. A little cute little film. Not too bad. Not too whatever. I mean, like, I was going to tell you guys some stories tonight. But I figure this. Since the next episode of the J-Man show is happening on Saturday. And that's Halloween, you know. Let's give it to you then. I'll just talk about the movies at this point. Because it was like flipping a coin on which one was going to come. And you see, like, the other movies I'll tell you about, they weren't worth mentioning because there's no point in giving a rating to movies that don't try to tell you a story. And for some reason, they just were made to, I don't know, mock the Mummy franchise. I mean, Mockbusters are interesting. Like, anything made from the Asylum, you know it's either going to be a hit or a miss. Like, take Atlantic Rim, for instance. I mean, come on. Obviously, a ride on Pacific Rim. Or Transmorphers. A ride on the Transformers franchise. All those things. But, you see, you know that they're mocking, and at the same time, they're entertaining. Which is what keeps them fresh. But then you're like... Looking at their take on the mummy sometimes. Like they're the ones that actually made that one mummy movie. I told you about way, way back in the early spots of the Monster Fest. Like where's all this leading to? And how did you pull Danny Glover? And what, what is going on here? And is that Gary Busey? Things like that. But this particular film, it was called like The Mummy's Curse. And you saw like they took like different bits and points from the Brendan Fraser films. Or I should say the Barry Sonophil films. Whatever. But they took bits and pieces of them. Like, you know, Anakasunamun and uh, Emotep's Love. And they had that in there. But you see, the thing is, also, I really didn't get a feel for the character. Like, what is he professing to? Is she the one bringing him back? Or is he bringing her back? Like, what's going down here? And then, of course, the expedition team, which was four people. And then, of course, the one... The one jealous bastard that, you know, funded the trip and really wants this precious stone of sorts. And he was annoying as hell, but he didn't get no comeuppance until much, much later. And then you forget he's in the movie after a while. And it was just badly paced. And the acting wasn't wooden or anything because you could tell that they were just reading lines at best. But it was like, you know, more or less they weren't struggling at all. And there were times where they would just fall on the ground, knocked out for no reason. And it's not even because of the mummy. They ain't even something the mummy until the third act. And it's just to that point where it's like, um, I can't give this a rating. I, I got to put this on the shelf with, you know, that Zombies movie I told you all about. And it's not even a good Zombies movie, so don't ever ask me about it. But it- it's just like... Little things like that, you know. I remember when I said this on a minibite. You know, I should give them some benefit of the doubt because they at least made a film. But at the same time, that's not a film. That's, that's just people running around on camera. That's not film. That's not something that's telling a story. That's not something that's showing, you know, determination and will. And, a, and, you know, a good revenge story. Or a good, you know, standing up for love kind of story. Or, you know, hey, I live again. And this time I'm going to go ahead and utilize it as a way of payback. You know, things like that, or like where you transform into something better. You know, like you're not telling any, me anything by showing me something like this, which is why the experience is pretty bad. Get my drift and see little things like that. I can't give you a rating on that. So, no, no rating for that. And then I tried to look at another one that said The Mummy's Resurrection. Didn't go anywhere. Very stale plot. If there was a plot. I sat right there, I looked at it, and I just um, shook my head, said no, I'm not going to deal with this, Tell hell with it, and I moved on to other things. Matter of fact, I moved on to uh, The Great Pumpkin again, because I just can't get enough of Charlie Brown, Linus, and all sorts of other crazy miscommunication that goes down over there. So I sat there and I watched that again. That's a, that's a five bloody knuckles special, man. I, I'm not going to go ahead and be like, oh, you know, uh, hey, it's not as good as I remember. Um, I'm going to go ahead and lower it down. Nah, that's not what I do here. That was enjoyable because that really just took that short special took away both two hour movies like that. I mean, it was either that or Ghostbusters. And the thing is, I was going to leave Ghostbusters alone this year. Because I wanted to wait for that third movie to come out to get ready for that. But since it didn't happen, you know, it didn't happen yet. So when it when it does happen, that's when things change. But right now, though, I'm looking at some anthologies. Some of y'all have box sets of Friday the 13th now. And I think Friday the 13th was on TV not too long ago. Was it? Was it? Uh, I don't know. A friend of mine was watching it, so maybe that was just him watching Prime. But the point is is that uh, those it's a nice set, isn't it? very wonderful congrats on those that bought it i hope the transfers actually came out okay because problem is with some of these sets sometimes is that the video transfers don't go as well or then sometimes the sound is buggy and then there's a moment where it's like you know you wonder what you bought and if it was worth the money but you see while you all went ahead to go do that and i know a lot of you are like you're talking about it on the monster fest i'm allowed to talk about i'm not gonna go in depth on the films See, while y'all are busy running around with that, I went ahead and found a box set for me that really best represents these times. See, while I do have Tales from the Dark Side, while I do have Courage the Cowardly Dog, and while I watch him religiously, I also have found Tales from the Crip, the whole series, for $60. Damn near $80 to $90 set on everything else. But I found it for $60. That's a steal. So I went ahead and I took it. In addition to um, getting that nice nifty sound bar for my 55 inch. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Think about it, man. 5.1. Look, it's a sound bar. Jeez. You know, I'm on the verge of moving. <laughs> Come on now. I'm not going to go ahead and spend some money on, like, my real, real Final form stuff yet. And even if I did, it wouldn't be while I'm still here in the big DE. Maybe over in CA. We'll see what happens. Hopefully things have died down to the point where I can start really, really showing you guys the Final Forms of all these shows I have. It'd be kind of nice. Don't you think? But, hey. I'm just going ahead and let you know about that kind of stuff. And we still got a little bit of time in the actual episode. So, you know, why don't I just go ahead and I read you a couple of stories, you know. Now, this comes from Scary Stories to Tell if You Dare. And it was made by, uh, of course, once again, Joe Olivito. And, you know, the thing is, we'll, we'll read about this, okay. This one is called On the Hunt. Every year, Barry and Conklin would go up to the mountains for a few days to hunt deer. One day Conklin returned from the mountains without Barry. He told everyone Barry had gone missing. The police put together a search party, but the heavy snow came just as they started to look for Barry. They didn't find any trace of him for months. The police finally found his body in the spring. He was lying against a tree deep in the woods. Someone had broken his skull. He still had his rifle, but his favorite hunting knife was gone. Everyone thought Conklin must have killed him, but they could never prove it. Conklin went back up the mountains later that year. This time he brought his friend Ed. They spent the first day hiking deep into the woods to set up camp. Ed got so tired that he went to sleep early. A few hours later, he woke up to the sound of Conklin screaming, Don't do it! Please don't do it! It was too dark to see anything. Ed found his flashlight and got out of his tent. He found Conklin lying against a nearby tree. He was dead. A hunting knife had been pushed deep into his heart. Ed brought the police to Conklin's body. When they dusted the knife for fingerprints, they were shocked by what they found. The fingerprints. They belonged to Barry. Next, the bullet. Uh, That's the name of the story. Henry and Emily had been married for years. One day, Henry decided to leave her. He met someone else and wanted to marry her instead. Emily begged him not to leave, but Henry didn't listen. Emily was so heartbroken that she killed herself. Her brother swore to his family he would get revenge on Henry. Emily's brother went to Henry's home later that year. He planned to kill him. When he arrived at Henry's house, he found him working out in the yard. Emily's brother fired his gun at Henry. The first shot missed. The bullet hit a tree and got stuck there. Emily's brother tried again, but Henry managed to run off. He told the police what happened, and Emily's brother went to jail. Years later, Henry decided he wanted some more space in his yard. He got out his saw to cut down some trees. One tree was so big that a saw wasn't going to be strong enough to bring it down. Henry used dynamite instead. As soon as he saw the explosion, he felt something hit him right in the chest. He looked down and saw blood pouring onto his shirt, and in a few moments, he was dead. The bullet from years earlier had been stuck in the tree. The explosion called to shoot right back into Henry. Yikes. Camping. When I was in college, my friends and I liked to go camping. We would try to find spots that were supposed to be haunted. We thought it was fun to tell ghost stories around the fire until someone got too scared. There was one forest nearby we always wanted to camp in. It was close to an old road that not many people used anymore. People said there were plenty of ghosts in that area. We didn't really believe them, but we thought it would be fun to camp there anyway. One weekend, we all got together and headed to the woods with our camping gear. That night, we made a fire and told stories like we always did. It was getting pretty late, and we were almost ready to sleep when someone walked out of the woods and found our campsite. At first, we were scared, but we quickly realized this person was some sort of a police officer or a forest ranger. He was dressed in that kind of clothing. Doing some camping, he asked. We told him we were. We thought it was allowed out here. The man said it was, but that we should also be careful. He said that a lot of bad people hung out in these woods too. He left us alone. After that, soon we all went to sleep. The next morning we headed back to college. We stopped at a restaurant for breakfast on the way. The folks at the restaurant asked if we had been out ghost hunting. They say a lot of college students did that kind of thing. We told them we were. When they asked if we had seen anything, We said we hadn't, but we told them about the man who visited us at the campsite. They thought that was strange. Not many officers patrolled those woods anymore. And when they asked what the man's clothing looked like, I noticed a picture on the wall. And the man in it looked exactly like the man who visited our campsite. When I told them this, they just looked back at us in shock. That's not possible, the man who owned the restaurant said. The man in the picture was part of the forest patrol, but... There was no forest patrol like that anymore. He said the picture was more than 50 years old. Still with me? I got more. Let's do it again, huh? This one's called Black Eyes. Yes, Black Eyes, not Black Guys. Which, by the way, you're only dealing with one right now. And I'm all you need. Talking to the ladies. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's get into it black eyes megan had just gone to bed she was almost asleep when she heard a knock at the door i wonder who could be at the door so late she said megan never got visitors at that hour she headed to the door and opened it up standing on her front porch with two children one was a girl who looked about six years old the other was a boy he looked a couple of years older for some reason megan was scared of them right away she wasn't sure why they were just kids after all but somehow it seemed like they wanted to hurt her we need to come in, said the boy. His voice was very polite. Well, not in the way I read it, but Megan thought he almost sounded like an adult and a child. Why do you need to come in, Megan asked. Our mother will be worried about us. We need to use your phone and call her. Why are you out so late? Megan still wasn't sure why these children scared her so much. She felt like she was looking at someone truly evil. Usually, she would be happy to let two children call their mother, but something about these children were different. Just let us in. Her mother is worried, the boy said. The girl didn't seem like she was going to talk at all. She just looked like she was watching the boy. I don't let strangers into my house, Megan said. Tell me your mother's number. I'll call her for you. No, the boy said. He sounded angry now. Let us in. Suddenly, Megan realized why she was so afraid of these children. She couldn't understand it, why she didn't notice it before. Their eyes were completely black. There was no color at all. Megan felt a chill. It was like they had her in a trance before. She knew it should not have taken her that long to notice their eyes. You can't come in, Megan said. She was sure that they would try to hurt her if she let them in. She didn't know why they just didn't force their way into the house. Let us in, the boy said. No, Megan quickly shut the door. As soon as she had the boy start pounding on it, let us in! Let us in! Megan wanted to run to the phone, but she was too scared to move. She thought if she turned her back, the boy might open up the door and attack her. He patted on the door for a long time. It might have just been minutes, but it felt like hours. Then suddenly he stopped. And after a moment, Megan stepped to the window next to the door and looked out. There was no sign of him. (laughs) Chilly, huh? Well, you know. That's the thing about these stories, man. Like, folklore really shapes our culture. And the thing is, is that some of this stuff could be real. Especially here in the uh, old 13 colonies. But you really don't know after a while, right? Usually it's like a house in Vermont when it comes to stories like this. Or New England. Whichever you want to take. But you see, as much as I'd like to tell you some more, I'm going to have to wrap it up here. But guess what, though? Like I said, Halloween special is coming Saturday. It's my gift to you in addition to this episode because hey I you know with COVID nineteen I didn't want to celebrate my birthday without, you know, you guys playing a role in it too. I mean you guys are my fans and some of y'all are content creators and stuff like that. So one way or another, I don't mind giving gifts back. So hey, I want to thank all of you for uh spending this time with me. Uh thirty-four is gonna be a fun year and um well, we'll see how things grow from here on out, okay? This is the J Man signing off. Peace be with you. Laters.